Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash book cheat or text book cheat to 500 500. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's guests Joel Dusha and George Dimorelos. Hello. Thank Hello. you so much for having me back. Thank you so much for being back. Uh. Thank you so much for having me for the first time. And for the first time, George, thank you so much for joining us. We were just speaking off air how, uh, Joel, last time you were on, we've uh, covered a couple of Shakespeare classics. Yes, Uh, which is good because I never really did that much Shakespeare in high school. I did Merchant of Venice and that's it. I even skipped Romeo and Juliet, which was a feat that people often claim is impossible. But (laughs) I am here as proof that it is possible to finish high school without studying Romeo and Juliet even once. Did you skip all of year nine? (laughs) How did you get away with that? So actually... Uh, funny, funny story about that. Uh, I was put in accelerated learning, but only for one year. So they were like, oh, last year, if you're in accelerated learning, we did Romeo and Juliet a year early because you guys are all clever. But I was like in the normal year level for that point. So I just did whatever the normal year eight stuff was. Then jumped in in year nine. They were like, we're not doing Romeo and Juliet because you did that last year. And I was like, ha, 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 sucked in. I didn't. Nice. So yeah. You literally did skip it. Right? Yeah, it skipped wow. it. Okay, I thought you might have checked out for the day. You no, no, no. Yeah, I, just I skipped like, it mentally. <laughs> literally <laughs> skipped it. What did you like more? Uh, Hamlet, Othello, uh, Merchant of Venice, uh, and Julian? Merchant of Venice, people often claim is a, com- uh, a tragedy, but it was clearly written as a comedy and it's just very offensive. So It's uh, written as a... Isn't it a, isn't it a tragedy? No. Shakespeare, uh, George, I don't know if you've read much of him. Problematic. Well, he's got. What do you mean, Shylock? Come on, Pound of Flesh? I see nothing problematic here. Sounds um, right in line with my worldviews. But also, look, all Shakespeare has issues. I was going to be like, yeah, Othello is pretty good, but I'm like, ooh, can't really be like, Merchant of Venice, bad, Othello, good. Also problematic. Yeah, oh, look, my God. Is it, is it? oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, probably Hamlet. Uh, to be or not to be, that's sick. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You coward. <laughs> coward. George, do you have much Shakespeare like love? You know what? I don't. I should have more. I've got sitting on my. I've never actually finished Othello. I've, I've got it sitting there. I, I bought it one time because I'm like, I should know more Shakespeare. Oh, no, don't worry about it. Episode but two of this podcast yeah. got you covered. Episode two. Yeah, oh, you did it early. Yeah, yeah it, was, wow. it was big. Wow, you're, you're Me, an old-handed this. Dave Warnicky, Matt Stewart. It's a classic for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Both the book and the episode. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the book, all right. Or you play. The- yeah, that's right. I know it. Okay. <laughs> you showing off the fact that you knew it was a play. Yeah, yeah I'm flexing real hard with my Shakespeare <laughs> the, knowledge. The standard here is lower than I expected to be. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're here to bring it back up, George, because I'm excited to have you on the show because you may know my pain of uh, hosting a book podcast mm-hmm. where you probably have to do a lot more reading than you probably would like to. 
well, maybe not like to, but maybe sometimes it feels like homework. So your podcast is called Bookish, yeah. of which I'm a guest this week. Mm-hmm. We're doing a sweet crossover episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crossover episode. I'm, I'm leaving in between, uh, but... <laughs> I look forward to listening to Bookish as a part two of this book cheat episode. I thought you were going to sit and watch the whole thing yeah. Yeah. appropriately. <laughs> Just, I'm not allowed to talk in it except to be like, oh, great point, guys. Yeah, You're both perfect. very clever. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's what I expected. Yeah, a lot of silent clapping and pats on the back. Appreciate that. <laughs> or just a hype man for up. both of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, no. So no, actually, I've, I've rigged the system. A little bit because I don't have to that. read the book. You don't read the book. No. Oh my god! Why didn't I do this? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's done the opposite. He's doing less reading than he'd like. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually finding out. I'm getting other people to book cheat me every week. So, so actually, <laughs> I'm just I mean, I thought I was a cheat here. You know. Tell us what the the concept of bookish. Uh, so basically, it's I get different guests on every week um, who tell who pick their favorite book if they can. If they don't, usually people can pick one of or that is definitely their favorite book. And then I use that as a jumping off point to talk about them. Basically, so I'm like, why is that your favorite book? And then I kind of do. Look, it's amateur psych stuff, basically, where I'm basically, you know, when someone has a dream and you're like, oh, maybe you had a dream because, you know, when you're in yeah. school, you did. Basically, I'm doing that, but with the book. So I'm using that as an excuse to talk about the person. So it's like a jumping off point, essentially. That's why I, when I had old uh, Dusha here on to. Yeah, I've been a guest on both of these podcasts. I know, but he was. I get around. Yeah, I know. You did uh, the Catch in the, the Rye and refused to acknowledge any of the similarities <laughs> of the many. That I've we listened found. to that episode and there are many similarities. So <laughs> many <laughs> similarities. Like I mean, a weird amount. Holden Caulfield's like 14. I'm nearly 30. <laughs> you can obviously see that there is uh, no similarities. Okay, well, we're just going to stop. <laughs> you read it when you were younger. And also, yes, there are way more. You have to read, listen to the episode. People, if they, was, yeah, they can listen to that episode. It was weird how, yeah, that was that was a lot more, actually. <laughs> Usually, sometimes I'm digging and it's like, nah, nah. And your one was like, every single thing. I'm like, okay, no, this guy's. Don't even need to ask questions. This guy wasn't reading a book, he was getting a template. <laughs> this blueprint is uh, really long. <laughs> well, I'm so jealous to hear that you don't have to read the book. God damn mm. it. Well done. Well played, <laughs> sir. Uh, but I'm on the. Uh, your episode this week, uh, talking about Of Mice and Men, which I chose because I feel I've done about 40 books or plays on this show now, and of them all, which I've done Of Mice and Men, it's uh, it's probably the one that stayed with me the most. That's the reason I, I, yeah, I chose look, that one. I'll be honest, when I was like, What's, what are you going to pick? And you were like, Of Mice and Men. And you're like, you didn't sell it like it was your favorite. You know what I mean? When you said, you're like, oh, you know, I'll probably do Of Mice and Men because I was on the show and I liked it. I was like, this guy, I don't know, is, this your favorite? is it really your favorite book? Yeah, it's my favorite one that I've done on Book Cheat, for sure. See, why, is it, done, why is this caveat in there? You feel that? I'm very confused. Yeah, no, I would say it's my favorite. The other one, I, I had put forward the, the play Long Day's Journey into Night, Eugene O'Neill. Big fan of that as well. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going with Mice and Men. Mm. We can unpack why. Fantastic. I also thought that you had to read the book, and Of Mice and Men is quite short. <laughs> I was doing you a favor. Ah, see, this is what I mean. I really felt like you weren't. I'm like, pick whatever is your favorite, and you just kept like dancing <laughs> yeah. around it. Like. I'm like, oh, man, War and Peace. You're like, God, <laughs> piss off, um, which is one that I'm too scared to tackle on this show. But, um, but yeah, no, Of Mice and Men, I do love it. It's fantastic. Okay, that's all. And that's I'm going to tell right. you all about that real soon. Perfect. Uh, but shall we jump into this week's uh, book cheat yeah, episode? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Now I've decided to uh, choose the the classic "The Day of the Locust" by Nathaniel West, an American writer. This week, do you know much about this book, Dusha? I know the title, uh, but also as we discussed just off mic, I might know the title because I'm pretty sure it's a song, and also it's a reference to a thing in the Bible. And I went <laughs> to a Catholic high school, okay. so there is a chance that I just saw the phrase at some point and have latched onto it. But 
If it's an American novel and it's called Day of the Locust, it sounds like it's probably a modernist piece. Ooh, show off. He knows genres. Yeah, well, <laughs> he okay, knows time okay. periods. No, I think you could. <laughs> what do you mean by modernist? Well, it's like the. Mo- <laughs> it's a phrase <laughs> of providing. No, it's like, <laughs> is it slow and is it like a uh, reflection of the life at the time and is it. Usually pretty depressing. Modernist pieces usually are. I think I find most uh, books uh, I cover on the show are depressing. <laughs> to get yeah, be, way more interesting. To be a classic, yeah, yeah. you've got to be depressing. Imagine they're happy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no one's no one's laughing at the end of a cl- classic book. Honestly, I think yeah. ninety to ninety five percent of the books or plays I've done on the show end with someone dying. Mm. They all do. I think we might have to unpack this in the <laughs> <laughs> in bookish a little bit. Actually, well, George I mean, is stoked we're yeah, doing this episode yeah, yeah. first. Let me actually, tell you. it's funny you're saying that, right? Because you're you you mentioned that maybe some of these are actually quite often covered in um, education aspects. Yes, like for sure. So, like, like I do a lot of stuff that are covered in school. Of Catcher in the Rye, I've done yep. something like that. The Great Gatsby, things like that. But then also my two favorite books, which is always embarrassing to admit. <laughs> Great Gatsby, Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> I really liked them both. I really yeah. do. Yeah, well, I mean they're there for a reason, right? I know. I read them. Hard. I know a lot of people do find them frustrating, especially. But it is often because they study them in school, I reckon. But uh, yeah, then also stuff that people's study in uni I've done a bit on here and I reckon that this is a book that people would yeah I was going to say I don't think this is much of a school thing but what I was going to say about it though is uh, there's, a, there's an old saying apparently that all literature is about sex or death mm. and the problem with school is that they can't talk about sex so it ends up you're just getting wall to wall death mm. in school because yeah the sex part of it is too awkward to talk about well let me just tell you that this is a sex filled book oh definitely for uni then hell yes horny episode <laughs> alright it's been a long <laughs> corona is grim <laughs> well there's a lot more sex in this than death actually so that there, there may be a reason we can't do it in uh, in school so it is a 1939 novel by American writer uh, writer I'm going to say author and writer in the same <laughs> breath writer uh, Nathaniel West it's set in Hollywood California the reason I picked this book was I went on holiday to uh, Hollywood last year. Yep. Had a week, mm-hmm. I had to take off work. In America, in case anyone's... Yeah, that's right. California. Chose, California. Very cheap flight, so went there. And um, I'm glad I didn't read it at the time because uh, I was like, Hollywood, the classic Hollywood novel, I'm going to be there. It's it's more depressing than you think. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't read yeah, it on my trip. Yeah, Hollywood, which is just wall-to-wall fun times. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, yeah, on the plane, I uh, read The Great Gatsby followed by Day of the Locust and then I just threw on a, uh, Sunset Boulevard and just like... Got the full American experience before <laughs> I got to Hollywood. I just love that. Yeah, Hollywood is a very glowing, happy time. Yeah. I thought it was going to be glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> this is very much on the outskirts of glamour. It was his fourth and final novel as uh, Wes died the following year in a car accident that also killed his wife, Eileen McKinney. Oh, oh no. Th- their deaths occurred the day after that of their friend, F. Scott Fitzgerald. <gasps> the Great day Gatsby. after? The day after. Oh, this is coming, sounding very relevant to you. Mm. All right. The day, like as in... Did they know about it? <laughs> yes, I think they did know because they were cli- uh, close friends, but very much overshadowed by uh, F. Scott. Ah, uh, yeah, that's rough. In the history that books. That is a bad timing of yeah. death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely... Especially if you're both writing depressing books about America. Yeah. And you're American authors. That's right. And one of your names is F. Scott Fitzgerald, a significantly more famous person. So than much. Pretty much anyone else in America writing books at the time. That's a bold claim. Didn't think about I it know, before I, I threw it yeah, out. <laughs> you're throwing that out without any context. Yes, but like I, you might be close. But I I also, I believe that uh, F. Scott, much like many of these people, including West, found a lot more fame after he died, which is absolutely tragic. Yeah, but I, avoided World War Two. So hey, swings and roundabouts. By dying? Yeah. Okay, but I guess that is the ultimate consequence of World War Two. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> That's what you're avoiding it for. And also, maybe he was avoiding it anyway. Yeah, hard to say. That's I'm happy to speculate more on these people I will never meet as they died 
70 years before I was born. Yeah, that's a... Mm. Uh, 60 years, maybe. I don't know. Bad at maths. Great at remembering keywords of things, apparently. Uh, he was just okay. he was he was just thirty seven when he died, which is absolutely tragic. Yeah. And he's uh, best remembered for this book, The Day of the Locust, and also his earlier novel, Miss Lonely Hearts. Uh, not a huge hit in his short lifetime. In fact, it may have only sold sixteen hundred copies before he died. The Day of Locust. Or the Miss Day Lonely of the Locust. Hearts? All right, okay. He but was <laughs> copped it. But it's it's now considered a classic. In nineteen ninety eight, the Modern Library ranked The Day of the Locust seventy third on its list of one hundred best English novels of the 20th century, mm. and Time Magazine included the novel in its 100 best English language novels from 1993 to 2005. <laughs> and then it got bumped off. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what I mean. It got no, bumped off. So they just they uh, analysed books for, for between those two years. 1993 to 2005. Sorry, I meant 1923. My goodness. Oh, okay, right. That's so okay, sorry that's if I said the wrong number. I was like, guys, this is a big deal. <laughs> there were thousands of books written in that time. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. No, we, that's very small. Yeah, like, yeah. We missed something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's 1923 to 2005. 93, it's full younger than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it was a big year that and like Hook came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but so it is uh, a, a classic, even okay. if it's not as famous as, as The Great Gatsby. But... Yeah. Uh, I always start by reading out the opening line to sort of set the, Ooh, the scene. That's a good idea. It's, it's the op- open with the opening line. I get oh, it, I get and it. you get the, the, the writing style where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the opening passage. Around quitting time, Todd Hackett heard a great din on the road outside his office. The groan of leather mingled with the jangle of iron and overall beat that tattoo of a thousand hooves. He hurried to the window. Oh, The opening line. Whoa, that doesn't sound like a way to end a <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Starting right in the middle of the action, I like it already. Absolutely. Thus yeah. begins the day of the locust. We've met our main character, Todd Hackett, who uh, who hurries to the window to see an army of cavalry riding past, followed by soldiers. And you're like, what the hell is going on this here? This is meant to be Hollywood, baby. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, what the hell? And Will then he be able to hack it? That's a <laughs> Hey. Well, he's freaking out. But then a short man with a megaphone is yelling at them, giving instructions, screaming, Stage nine, you bastards! Stage nine! Hollywood, baby! Oh, yeah. Yes. You realize yeah. it's part of a Hollywood set. Uh, Bang, you're in okay. Hollywood, Bang. straight there. Oh, that's, a, that, that's clever opening. That's like, good, you start yeah. to see why this book's famous. It, yeah. it does seem like like the middle of a war or something's going past his office. You're like, what the hell? Okay. So I'm engaged. Has that sucked you in? Oh, yeah. That sucked me in because I was like confused as well because I was like, a lot of horses, but I'm pretty sure in like the 30s it was cars. And then I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, wait, I'm really bad at history. Like yeah, maybe, maybe cars weren't involved. When did Henry T. Ford live or die or whatever? <laughs> maybe there were, Henry? but I feel like there were still horses around in the 30s. Was there? Well, yeah. Ho- we I wrong? mean, there's still horses around in 2020, the year we're currently <laughs> in. But people just right? don't. Yeah. We haven't got rid of them yet. <laughs> we're well, working on uh, it. We invented yet horses? <laughs> Maybe it was like, invented. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Todd Hackett, our protagonist, is a young uh, set and costume designer. Oh, that's interesting. Because usually with books like that, it's always like, he's a screenwriter and he goes out on an adventure or something to get inspiration. Well, Nathaniel West, his, other, his job was a screenwriter. Yeah. Mm. So uh, a lot of people were like, he's putting himself in there. But then other people said, no, he's not like this character at all. He's oh. very smooth. He's a costume designer. Yeah, very, very, very artistic. Bit of an artiste. Uh, set in the late 1930s, Todd is new to Hollywood, having only only been there three months at the start of the book. That's so fresh. That yeah. is straight off the bus. Also excuses... And already got a job. 
Yeah, and also excuses his behavior of being shocked that like a production was happening in Hollywood. Because that's a valid point. We don't go into that enough. <laughs> he gets up and looks it out the window. It's like, mate, you've been here three months. <laughs> that is long into the job. It's yeah. like, mate, are you going to stop looking out the window every time something <laughs> goes past? I mean, but if cavalry are already past, there's also uh, men wearing kilts. I mean, mm. I'm a sucker for a kilt. <laughs> Just I'm running <laughs> to the window for a kilt. You are, like, to be fair, you don't know what you're going to see. Pretty you exciting. A short man yelling at them through a megaphone. <laughs> I like how it's specified a short man. Mm. Do we need, really need that, guys? Yeah. Descriptive. L- let me just tell you that, that okay. this man goes into extreme detail, often tedious detail. That's something a, that I'm not a big fan of. And also, that's usually, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a modernist thing. Just saying. I'm pretty sure this is a modernist Name book. Name one modernist book. Uh, Day of the Locust. Great Gatsby. Is it? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. It doesn't really fit your description of boring... Single person. I didn't say it was long. boring. I said it's like descriptive. Is it descriptive? We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, I, I can it's look true. it up if you like. <laughs> yeah, just... You know what? If you go, go onto the Wikipedia page, it'll say, Dave Locust is a modernist. But what, man, Ameri- it's, a, it's 1939. It probably is modernist, right? Like, that's a pretty safe bet. But I mean... You know. You're trying to say that I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm not trying to say. I am saying <laughs> over and over again. Uh, West is not coming up on the list, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, no. Yes. This is a disaster. I knew it. I've a list of modernist writers, a Wikipedia page. Let's see if I can get some West happening. Who's, who's yeah, because what? I feel like modernist is He comes something. up. He yes! comes up. Damn it. Why'd you put my hopes up? Uh, all my credibility's so out the window. to bring you down. Uh, yeah, the most famous ones are James Joyce and Virginia Woolf. See how is okay, because they love that stream of consciousness stuff. That's what thing. I mean. That doesn't sound like Great William Gatsby Falk, at no, all. Yeah. Is Great Gatsby a modernist <laughs> piece? That's what we got to check. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Ah, look, but it's just you're just guessing something that's pre-postmodern is probably modern, but that's you it's know. definitely not postmodern. Uh, it's about it's American like, life and like the death of the American dream, stuff like that. That's not very, necessarily. That's very modernist. That's how is that? So it's specifically about American stuff, is what you're saying right now. Oh, um, a James lot of Joyce is <laughs> Irish. That's, that was that's the number true. one person. That is, that is true. And who does random weird things with long, long, ultra detailed about a guy walking at night. Mm. Uh, uh, the Great Gatsby has a tenet, tenets of modernism. I'll take it. I won't take that. Modernist <laughs> elements, if modernist you will. Elements. Modernist elements. Modernist elements. Everything's got modernist elements. That yeah, is incorrect. In that it also had words. <laughs> 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 much like, um, much like Ulysses. All yeah. right. So you you uh, noted there, George, that he already has a job. That's because he was hired by a talent scout who liked his work shown at an exhibition for Yale's School of Fine Arts. Mm. Oh, this guy's this guy's all right. He's doing all so right. So he's a talented artist, he's but we're told. You can't see me when I'm rubbing my fingers right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. doing the mo- someone who's got some money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doing the universal, oh, he's loaded sign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. the taxes. Mm. The finger thing means yeah. the taxes. Yeah, it's not, it's not the violin thing's that, isn't it? It's just two yeah. fingers is... Yeah. Two fingers rubbing money thing, one finger. But, well, like, yeah, but like the tiniest violin thing. Like if someone tries to, like, oh, I'm playing the world's tiniest violin, I'll just walk away. I got no time for people to do stuff like that. Ooh, you've just given us all power to annoy you forever. It's not, <laughs> no, I don't power think to make annoying. you leave a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says anything mildly <laughs> whiny. You got, this sounds like you've got issues with this that you've had to deal with in the past. Uh, it's just like one of those things where it's just like, shut up. Like, to, like why, to, why do people think that's a clever thing to do? <laughs> I mean, they don't, but it yeah, sounds like it annoys they you. Which is my issue. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm with you in the <laughs> George is doing it. My thing is, I will want to leave if you yell taxi if someone drops something. Yeah, in the bar. see, it's just I like hate that so much. No, nah, see, guys, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't get comedy. We don't get comedy. <laughs> it's only funny 
because you do it every time <laughs> forever. Oh, no. You've got to commit to the bit. I just feel funny. mortified for the bar staff that's just dropped a thing and they're just yeah. like, I hate you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See that, but if Bus was extra funny, he'd be yelling it too. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, louder than everyone. I think I would laugh if the bar staff dropped something and then was like, oh, taxi. Yeah, yeah exactly. But so then if I found out that that guy did it every time and that wasn't just off the cuff, I would never go back to that bar. Uh, <laughs> play the violin I can do the violin every time now I just realised you know why it's funny because I feel like you are more worthy than most of that action being directed at you yeah I gesture with my arm to be like that's an outrageous claim Is anyway it outrageous? continue <laughs> yes you don't whinge about things sometimes no not bothered by anything <laughs> you're bothered by me even saying this you're the one raising your voice George continue please okay fine we'll uh, we, are, we are told uh, by the narrator that uh, Todd Hackett is lucky that he was hired based on his art alone because uh, if anyone met him in person uh, sadly for Todd uh, he wasn't striking and uh, came across a bit dim to look at uh, dim to look at that's yeah. rough that's r- that is rough didn't have much charisma mm. right and but like, talented artist yeah like dim is in dumb or dim is in just uninteresting? Dull, I guess. I guess dull. dull and yeah. looks like not a lot is going on behind yeah. the eyes. Ah, oh, okay, so both. So it looks dumb. Yeah, it looks dumb. But also isn't interesting boring. to look at. Yeah. yeah. Just the whole package. No charisma. Jeez. That's right. This is like one of those things where if you're like, you just re- hope that he's very strong or I guess fast or athletic or he's something. He's a great artist. Great well, artist. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Is that yeah. not good enough? Yeah, no, no, that is, look, how that is schoolyard is your <laughs> no. reference? Come on, man! If you can't run the hundred meter sprint in yeah. under fifteen seconds, how could you climb the monkey bars? Well, to be fair, my reference point there was like you said charisma and that he was unattractive and had uh, and stuff like that. Oh and I was like, God, ah, Dungeons doing- and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to go say strength, and I was all I did anyway. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's a book. What's what are his alchemy skills like though? <laughs> that's not a stat in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I would know. I've played like three games. Okay, well, okay. You know. so got a bit of a strange thing. This is a flex in this room <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. He's art, uh, Todd's art friends had called him a sellout for taking a job in Tinseltown. They're like, this isn't a real job. That's rough. He's a, he's a costume designer. That's like the dream job. Nah, but what? What you call it? Cinema and TV. It's all about the theater, baby. So they they want him to be just it's all about a, the theater, baby. They <laughs> want him to be a straight artist, just a painter, which is, ah. which was his big passion, and he'd nearly okay. given it up altogether because yeah, okay. it seems so hard. I'm but back since on board moving now. to Hollywood, mm. he'd been inspired again. Ooh. His dream is to paint a picture, and this comes up throughout the entire book. The burning of Los Angeles is what he's named it. Oh, okay. And he's sort of collecting elements of people and inspiration throughout the whole book. It's like an ongoing motif. Yeah, that's sick. Burning of Los Angeles. Yeah. Are you going to reveal to us later that there is? It's not burning. It's burning with desire. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm Maybe. trying to connect. It's called David Locust, right? That's a hint. That's got to be a reference to uh, a uh, plague. Yeah, Moses. Yeah, yeah. So, did they set Cairo on fire? No. <laughs> then? Okay. Yeah, right. well, look, I'm trying to make connections. Meteorites came down, right? Uh, balls, great, ball, great balls of fire. Is that one of the the plagues? Oh, actually, maybe. It- the sky was on fire. Come on, Catholic man. The yeah, lot, come on. Well, because I was thinking if you're thinking like like a cleanse, I guess, all of the firstborns were killed. That was the last day of the plague. And then that's what resulted in them being like, all right, fine. Take, you go. Yeah. And then they chased him and then the whole party of the Red Sea stuff happened. Uh, yes, yeah. on uh, day seven, fiery hail. Ooh. Well, there you go. That sucks. Normal hail's already <laughs> You know no what good. sucks about that? Locusts came after that. <laughs> <laughs> fiery hail is seven. Locust is eight. You'd be like, I mean, 
Is this that bad anymore? Yeah. There's fire. <laughs> we had fireballs yesterday. Yeah, oh, but I think it was like those like sh- like locust plague like sheets of locusts where people just like couldn't breathe and like all their crops were ruined. Also, but were they on fire? <laughs> like- yeah, but like, I feel like fiery hail. It was probably like it's like a mild yeah. hail, like not yeah. a serious one. Yeah, like a light singeing. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there, so. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Catholic school. You got to no, tell yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the authority. Moses got a real shit under the deal uh, after that, though. Freed all the slaves. Went into the desert. Had a crisis of faith. God punished him by being like, "You're not going to lead them to the chosen, chosen place now because you had a crisis of faith." So Moses died in the desert. Is that what happened? Yeah. Really? That, yeah. I thought he came back after the forty days or whatever. No, forty days is Jesus. I thought Moses did that as well. Mm, when did he climb up the mountain and get the commandments? That was before. <laughs> The um, walk. Okay. I, I think believe. Uh, so, I think what you find here is that uh, the Bible is a modernist piece. Yeah. So <laughs> that's ridiculous. It's not, it's it not predates always in or- modernism uh, entirely. It's not it always in order. It. It's a bit all over the place. Yeah. I've read like three books in the last five years, so it feels good to be <laughs> flexing about this. Oh my God. <laughs> was one of them the Bible? <laughs> no. I'd be impressed if it was, guys. Yeah. That's lengthy. Mm. Big read. So uh, back to Hollywood, yes. okay. Town, late 1930s. Movies, something I can relate to. Yeah. Uh, Todd finds the people who move to Hollywood artistically inspiring. There's two groups. People wearing sports clothes that don't play sports. Sort of phonies playing a role and enjoying themselves. How very Melbourne. These are the, <laughs> the wealthier times. Phonies, that's like a trigger word for me. Catcher in the rye. <laughs> Catcher in the rye, yeah. <laughs> so he's not interested in them. He's like, they're just... Yeah. Fake, whatever. But they seem to be the ones having the most fun in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The ones he's fascinated by are the people that wear badly cut clothes and who seem much quieter. This is a quote from the book. At this time, Todd knew very little about them except that they'd come to California to die. He was determined to learn much more. They were the people he felt he must paint. End quote. That's crazy and depressing. Uh, yeah, sick. So are they like hipsters? Like as in, or are they just homeless people? Well, they're or people that are chasing the American dream but have realized it ain't happening we got phonies and people chasing the american dream jeez this is maybe this is my favorite book (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's what this whole story is it's not a glamorous it's not a glamorous hollywood story that i'd hoped for in my trip it wasn't a poolside (laughs) flick but instead focuses on the people on the outskirts of the industry as well as the seedy underside of late 1930s hollywood Okay. So that's that's what we're dealing with here. That's pretty exciting, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's, right. that's that's a seedy time, to so be that's, honest. That's our introduction. Yeah, uh, end of the Great Depression. People have had it bad for a long, long time. Usually, you feel happy after de- <laughs> the end of depression. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to uh, get back yeah. back on the old horse. And, uh, Do they have horses then? Yeah. Look, I believe horses <laughs> okay. were invented. Yeah. Uh, but also, as we pointed out earlier. Like, the Great Depression might be over, but I feel like there might be something just around the corner that's also not great. No, great yeah, great balls it. of fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be horrific. Well, actually, probably, yeah. uh, in one way or another. Poor people. Uh, and as well as Todd, we meet several of these Hollywood wannabes or people who themselves could be described as people who have come to California to die. Okay, but but different to the other ones. They got nice clothes. These <laughs> ones. Yeah. Well, well, some of them do. In these three months, Todd has made friends with a few people, and we mm-hmm. uh, meet them at the start of the book. Uh, Honest Abe Cusich. Honest Abe Cusich. Honest Abe. He's a very angry uh, bookkeeper, gambling type. He is a. Uh, he has dwarfism, and Todd first encountered him while staying at a hotel when he first got to Hollywood. Uh, Todd was very surprised to find Abe lying in a bundle of clothes in the hallway outside his room, having just had a big fight with a woman inside one of the hotel rooms. <laughs> and he, he knew the trip over and he was like, whoa, what the hell is that? 
and yeah. he's and the 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 voice from from in the close gives him a lot of attitude, and we are introduced to Abe, a very uh, angry bookkeeping man. <laughs> Do they constantly refer to him as Honest Abe? Honest Abe, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Honest Abe. Uh, for some reason, Honest Abe, uh, Honest Joel doesn't work. Honest George doesn't work, but Honest Dave. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Honest Dave. Actually, yeah. Appreciate it that. just thank rings you. well is the A at the end of it. Yeah. Honest yeah. Dave. You've got Curious, which I know is probably something you're sick of hearing. I'll take that. Yeah, Curious George. I am curious. Yeah. And then Honest Dave. Joel. I shrugged. It's an Joel. audio medium. So. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah see, nothing. nothing. Uh Handsome. I'll take it. Handsome Joel, yeah. That <laughs> sounds Joel. good. That sounds good. Yeah, that kind of sounds mixed. It's like a cowboy name. Yeah, Handsome, handsome yeah. Joel. What about like a Here ri- comes Handsome Joel. Here he is. Rhythmic Joel. <laughs> He's got the rhythm. <laughs> what about that? I'm, I mean, I've never seen you cover it up, but I reckon you could on yeah, the D floor. Yeah, absolutely. Rhythmic Joel. It's <laughs> so formal a word, I feel like. <laughs> rhythmic Joel. <laughs> Here he comes, old Rhythmic Joel. <laughs> That's your rap name? He's yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> In a rap I'm battle? A yeah. Try and run rhythmic with anything, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm a very talented man. <laughs> You're real good. So we've got Honest Abe, a very hot and cold man with a lot of attitude. Abe was happy to be allowed into Todd's room after he found him in the hallway to dress. And to thank him, he gave him a hot tip about a horse called uh, Trajapan. Uh, when Todd recognizes this is a Greek word, he asks if the owner of the horse is Greek. And Abe doesn't like this quote, college man being smart with him and he gets angry at him like, how, how do you know he's greek oh uh, just just had a feeling no you tell me you're some sort of college man <laughs> he gets really angry at him and i love that <laughs> college boy yeah okay. Does, okay does abe call himself honest abe or does yeah, yeah he does because later on we're introduced to the character because um todd opens his front door and he's got a couple of uh, hot tips for horses written on the back of a piece of paper on an envelope and it says from Honest Abe and that's when the narrator goes into the background of who Honest Abe is. So he obviously signs himself. It's a self-styled name, much like and if he's Rhythmic giving Joel. You, and if he's giving you tips on gambling, that's... that's uh, Honest Abe is a great nickname, it's but so also good. the name of a man who lives five years in the profession before being shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the, the branding down. <laughs> He's a, a guy that some people find tough to take and Todd thinks at first he doesn't like him yeah. uh, after he says, you're some sort of college man and then that's the end of their encounter. But he ran into Abe a few days later. Todd mentioned, oh, I'm looking for a place to rent and Abe made it his mission to help Todd ah. find a place. That's pretty honest nice. of him. That it, is, yeah. It's only then when he realises that the anger is part of his shtick. This is, he's just an angry yeah. guy but people take it with humour. Yeah. Nice. But I'm, that's just gonna, like, I'm just going to ask quickly, is there any other Greek references in this whole book? That's the only time. No, eh? that's the only time. Damn it. All right, I really was ready to stretch my... Yeah, yeah. Do you speak Greek? Yeah. Do you know what Trajapan is? I, I think you're mispronouncing what oh, it is. Oh, can I spell it to you? Okay. T-R-A-G-O-P-A-N. No idea. Because mm. tra- uh, Greeks don't have J. No, they don't. So we trago pan, but I don't know what that means. Mm. <sighs> I, it, they do explain it in the book. Let's get a Greek uh, translation here. Just in case, I was, really, I was really hoping to shine. I was, uh, yeah. I should have hidden so it because I knew I didn't know the word. I'm like, I, <laughs> you couldn't get from my last name. <laughs> oh, it's not coming up. If you I've saw the, the inside of my head, the excitement when you said Greek horse, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I got excited. I'll be honest. It's not. It's That's not right. cool. Well, I mean, it's we've, lame. We've had the American dream and phonies mentioned, so I yeah. know exactly how you feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like why you're am trying I to latch onto something. You're getting it. I'm like, ooh. I'm afraid I cannot. I did not write down the the uh, definition because he goes, oh, that means like deer or something. Yeah. And he's like, what are you, some sort of college man? <laughs> okay, right. 
Oh, you mean Tragopanos. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. So, really? Honest Abe uh, found Todd a place at the San Bernardino Arms, which Todd thought was unclean and didn't want to rent until he saw one of the neighbours there, a lady called Faye Greenway. Rhyming, rhyming name? Rhyming name. Don't know how I feel about it, but... Not a fan? Mm, My man? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I've uh, done the thing that I've uh, written her, wrong, her name down wrong that I want you <laughs> to understand. Her name is just Faye Greener. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... Uh... So how did you get that? <laughs> because the whole time I was reading... I don't know if you ever do this. You, you read a name for the first time and you go, bang, no, this name. When you're glossing through... The words, you don't read it every single time. Mm. You go, yeah, I recognize that phrase. Yep. For some reason, I went with Faye Greenway. It made sense in my mind. It rhymed. Um, I but her it. name is yeah. Faye, Faye Greener. I don't want anyone emailing in to be like, that's <laughs> not her name. So let's uh, get that out of the way right now. She is a 17-year-old wannabe actor. Okay, this is 1930. I know. It, it's real. It's honestly. So once we're I safe. Found- Aren't we? When I found out that she was only 17 years old, uh, it does make the rest of the book very tough to take. Yes. Well, but, it's, but that's what I'm saying. It's a different time, so it's okay. We're I all, don't we're know. It's I, that look, we, don't need to, we can be supportive of this whilst also not being supportive <laughs> of anything today for it. That's look, uh, take whatever stance you want to take, George. I'm distancing myself <laughs> from everything. <laughs> it's, it, I'm just saying we've got to engage with the book on the... T- Terms that it was created in, you know? That's right. It is 80 years old, but at the same time, um, I have read the rest of it, so... <laughs> I'm uh, distancing myself yeah, as well. bold to make that claim before yeah, knowing anything I'm being else supportive of this whole relationship, potential relationship. Guys, it's the 72nd best book of the 20th century yeah, in English. True. Exactly. And number three is like Lolita or something. Yeah, so. actually, that's a good point. Lolita's usually on stuff like that. Also... Always right up true. there. I've also done that on this show, and it was uh, it was tough for me, Alan Andy, to... Uh, to make jokes, but we did our best. Yeah. To we did our make, best. What do you mean? It's so easy to make jokes. <laughs> Just you know, uh, maybe caveat it appropriately. Oh, we certainly. <laughs> okay, I feel like I'm going to check did. myself out of this now <laughs> before. <laughs> so let me tell you it's about language. Uh, let me tell you about Faye. Oh, fantastic! Lolita is fantastically written there, but. But the plot is really hard to take. Oh, uh, anyway, so uh, Faye Greener, seventeen-year-old wannabe actor. She lives with her father Harry, who was a failed circus clown, but now makes a living as a door-to-door. Silver Polish Salesman. This is my favourite character in the book so far. He yeah. just overtook Honest Abe. Oh, man, I, I can't wait to tell you about Harry. I really can't. <laughs> oh, mate, he's, he's good, good, a good start. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Todd, our main guy, has an obsession with Faye, keeping a signed photo of her in his room. It's from when she had a bad... Uh, she, when she had a single line in a film, which she said badly. So she's very tall, very attractive, platinum blonde hair, but apparently is not a great actor. Mm. Um. Sounds very... Um, and that's stressed a lot throughout the book. Uh, is... is uh, What's the lead guy's name again? Todd, Todd Hackett. Todd Hackett. Is old Hackett. How old's he? Uh, it's hard. They actually don't name it, but he has just finished college, uh, uni studies, so I'm, I'm guessing early 20s. 20s yeah. Okay, early mid-20s. Okay. You know. That tone's dangerous, George. What do you mean? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, just making everyone comfortable. That's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> Too sure it's it the is. the opposite. <laughs> He's squirming his chair over there. <laughs> Uh, Faye has told uh, Todd in no uncertain terms that she couldn't uh, be more than polite friends with a guy like him because he's neither rich nor attractive. That's her too. I respect that. Uh, Despite this, Faye... (laughs) Also, I'm underage, she says. It's just implied. (laughs) Well, legally, again, it's a different time back then. 17 in 1939 is, you know, 18. Okay, I will stop with that. uh, But I will say... um, that's a rather direct. You'd, you'd prefer that? You'd prefer them to be like, sorry, you're not rich or funny or attractive. I've got no interest in you. Yeah, that's powerful. I respect that. Okay. Uh, despite this phase, an ob- uh, obsessive point of focus for Todd and basically every other man in this story. Mm. 
Uh, together, okay. these three characters, we've got Honest Abe, the uh, bookie, Faye, wannabe actress, and her father Harry, the former clown, are featured in a set of lithographs called The Dancers that Todd is working on. So they're sorts of muses to this young artist, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, Harry falls ill, it's the father, and Todd, who does like Harry, also sees this as an opportunity to get closer to the daughter Faye. Because they live in the same apartment complex. Yep. So he starts. Yeah, look, this isn't looking great for me. <laughs> what did it. you think was going to happen? Well, <laughs> you know, it could be I don't know, a beautiful life. friendship. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. not honest, Todd, is he? There's no. only one honest man in this book. Yeah, and his and name is Abe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he st- so Todd starts spending more time around at their house, caring for Harry, which he does genuinely care for Harry. But at the same time, he's like, a bonus of this is I get to hang out with this lady and also show her that I care for her family. Mm-hmm. Is that creepy? Well, I know what his intentions are, so... But he also wants to help out old Harry, so, you know... I just hope Harry pulls through. I'm really invested in Harry. I'm going to tell you a bit more about Harry coming up. No, <laughs> uh, Because he's there so often, this is Todd. Uh, he's at their house one day when a suitor of Faye's knocks on the door. Todd answers, and the guy is very nervous and just hands him some flowers and a bottle of wine and then runs away. <laughs> I hope he actually ran away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. But he actually ran away. He ran away. He's extremely nervous, this dude. Uh, Todd is fascinated by the man as he seems to be one of the people that have moved to California to die. And at first he's like, this is what I've been looking for. Yes, my <laughs> muse. But then he's disappointed when the man runs away. These, these people are never shy. The people that have come to California, they're very bold with how they... Yeah. Basically, they're propelled by anger. Yeah. In, in, what, in, in anyway, Todd's mind at least. So he's like, oh, damn, he's not the guy I wanted to talk to. Nonetheless, Todd later sees this guy across the road watching the house from behind a tree. <laughs> this guy also rules. <laughs> this guy's great. Eventually, Todd sees him and forces conversation and discovers that the man's name is Homer Simpson. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. No way. Oh, that rules. Oh I am not God. kidding. That's, that's got to be intentional, right? No, I reckon that's a crazy coincidence, George, that the 40, 72nd most... Greatest book of all time. Yeah, has a character called Homer Simpson, and this is yeah. He's like basically the second lead role. Yeah, it's intentional. It's intentional all this time. I did not know that Homer Simpson's named after some. Oh stalker. wait, and Homer's dad's name's Abe. Abe. Well, obviously a very famous character. This was ah. written in the 1930s. Matt Groening has said that his character, so he's the Simpsons creator. Yep. Homer is named after his father, also called Homer. Indeed, most of the family share names with his own. His mum is Marge. His sisters are Maggie and Lisa, there and he substituted his name with Bart. But he has also given interviews over the years where he claims that he chose the name Homer Simpson as a shout-out to this novel. Oh. There you go. But according to TV Tropes, a website that I oh. trust with my life, quote, more recently he's implied that it's a little of both. What a cop-out. I know. It's so annoying sounds that you like don't know. Sounds like a fluke. It sounds like he fluked and then someone's like, that's Nathaniel Wes. He's like, yeah, yeah, I read that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, What's yeah. It? It's a cl- <laughs> he looks it up. Classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Or, okay. like, he would have probably gone to, like, college or something. Someone has said it. He's heard the name. Yeah, because like, it's an oh, American yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally see how it could have. Uh, the Simpsons itself had a gag about this in uh, season twenty-four, episode five. Long after I'd stopped watching, but um, that's when I started watching oh, season really? twenty-four. That's when it gets good. Oh, that's, really? Uh, yeah. Do you remember ep- episode five, Penny Wise Guys? Uh, well, maybe I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, after dealing with a swarm of grasshoppers, Homer said, "I never thought Homer Simpson would be a part of the Day of the Locust." Great joke. That's, that's a. That's right. That's. That is primo <laughs> season 24 like right the there. Tw- 24 years have led up to that moment. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I was absolutely gobsmacked when I read that on the page. <laughs> Homer Simpson? 
That's a, it's going to make the rest of the book very difficult, <laughs> to be honest. Honestly, I had an image of this weird guy hiding across the street, and from then on, it was just Homer Simpson. Especially because like, of like the famous gif of Homer in the bush, yeah. which yeah. is just so just hard not to think of that when you think about him hiding a, behind a tree. That is a hard one, actually. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, names that, what you can't have that. I'm just trying to think of like... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like imagine a love story between Adolf Hitler and someone else, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm really finding it hard to relate to this yeah. character. I named him after my dad. Yeah, you're like, I I'm struggling here, yeah. guys. <laughs> hey, team, it's just Dave here, dropping in about halfway through this episode to tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Now, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news business, self-development, a whole lot of genres on there. And if you're an Audible member like I am, you get one credit every month to pick any title, plus two Audible originals. You can listen anywhere you listen to this podcast. I personally love listening to Audible in the car. It just gives me more time to read, because to be honest, I can't really read whilst driving. (laughs) and I've tried and failed. But Audible, I can listen to it. And what I've been listening to this month is what just happened to be the topic of my other podcast, Dugawan's episode last week, Miracle in the Andes by Nando Parado, which is the autobiographical tale of when Nando's rugby team's plane crashed in the Andes Mountains in South America and their incredible story of survival. It is amazing. Tragic, but also inspiring. Kind of puts... Everything in the world in perspective a little bit. Don't want to spoil it, but wow. What an ending. Has that got you hooked? So that's my tip this month. But honestly, there is something on there for everyone. So many genres, so many things. And if you can't pick your book every month, you can save your credit for the next month. And you might be like, well, I'm going to do two this month. That's the miracle of Audible. And if you would like to get started with Audible, you can go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, go to audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks to Audible and now back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Homer Simpson in this story, uh, much like the other one, is a 40-year-old man. Uh, who recently moved to California from Iowa. He's a very boring guy, and his hobbies include eating, sleeping, and sitting still. There is no way this is a coincidence. <laughs> it's I'm angry at Matt Groening now for like trying to claim that... It- it's the same character. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with coincidence. He said, this guy is very dumb. Very, very dumb. He's, uh, the narrator describes him as being like a plant. Not needing much. <laughs> Basically, sun and water, he'll be right. Nice. Uh, Homer Simpson has very large hands that he struggles to control, almost as if they have a mind of their own. Mm, Four fingers? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They're often twitching and he makes obsessive movements with them. So it's almost like he's got some sort of compulsion to constantly move them and and they're often in pain, they're cold. I feel like he's got pins and needles. So yeah, it's a big big part of uh, the description of his character. 
His background is he moved to California on doctor's orders after getting pneumonia. The warm weather is supposed to be good for him. In Iowa, he worked as a bookkeeper in a hotel. The only real emotion he seems to show is sometimes he cries when he thinks about an incident at the hotel that he tries to suppress. And you're wondering, what is this incident? I am. I'm very curious. Well, he was uh, at the hotel. He was ordered to go up to a woman's room who hadn't paid her bill oh, and who was no. also apparently an alcoholic. Wait, Homer's an alcoholic or the woman's an no, alcoholic? No, the lady is. Oh, okay, I was going to say. Trying to find mm. connections, aren't you? What <laughs> is his view on donuts? <laughs> I don't need any more. Like, the ones we've given me are already like... You've got enough? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I'm just going fluke. Eat, sleep, sitting still. Dumb. Dumb. 40? Yeah. I think Homer in the... 38. 38, yeah. 38. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I'm going to be over the Homer's one day. Well, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so, man. Nah. <laughs> I don't. No, okay, yeah. yeah. Let's continue. Uh, the woman... Uh, so, we went up to the room. <laughs> going to that. Went up to this lady's room. Uh, she wanted another bottle of gin as well, and he's like, you haven't paid your bill. She seemed to proposition Homer by lying seductively on the bed, but he panicked... And ran out of the room. He's like, whoa, 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 can't handle this. He later regretted this, but by the time he went back to the room, he was like, okay, maybe I could could hang out with this lady. By the time he got there, she was gone. Then he checked all the other hotels in this very small town. Uh-huh. She was nowhere to be seen. And basically, he has memories of this being like, maybe that was my shot at love or at least to Aww. be with someone. And, and then the next chance he gets, it. he runs away again. <laughs> <laughs> he learned nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he fits into this story because he was minding his own business at home. Sitting, doing nothing. <laughs> TV hadn't been invented yet, so <laughs> he had nothing to do. Yeah. When stare at the wall. He's, honestly, they talk about how he had a backyard at his place and he liked to sit in the backyard on a chair in the sun. One way was like a view <laughs> over the valley, the rest of uh, Hollywood. Fantastic view, but he never thought to turn the chair around. He just looked on the back alley, which is a horrible view the whole time. He just doesn't think this guy. I love this guy. He's, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. Marnie's own business when one day... Everyone's favourite door-to-door homemade silver polish salesman he comes a-knocking. Oh, Harry. Right. <laughs> it's fake. Greener's dad, Harry. Remember the ex-clown? Yes. Yeah. Well, he likes to prove oh, that we he's... Oh, we remember. Well, <laughs> can't stop thinking about he it. He likes to prove that he's still got it. Oh! And he barges in and does like a clowning routine where he falls over and pretend someone who isn't there has kicked him and he's like, oh, oh what are you doing? <laughs> Classic Harry. <laughs> Even the super, and then he starts bowing, he starts bowing. Even the super awkward Homer Simpson senses that Harry wants a laugh, so he just gives him a pity one. Just gives him a clap. This is a quote Homer understood that this was to amuse, so he laughed. <laughs> How offensive is that? He keeps, he keeps, I'll take it. I'll tell you why, sometimes. <laughs> he keeps bowing, and Homer is perplexed. <laughs> uh, Harry. This is, like, that's like. Is there a film adaptation of this book? Yeah, there was in the 70s, uh, sta- starring Donald Sutherland in the role of Homer Simpson. Ah, yeah. that would just... Actually, that's a weird casting. I can't imagine Donald Sutherland being dumb. But that's so funny to just, like, sit there and, like, like just to watch that scene unfold of, like, someone bowing constantly, another person just, like, awkwardly <laughs> clapping, going, and then the scene just going for too long. Yeah, yeah. They just keep bowing, just like... What's going on here? Honestly, yeah. he is. So you just want to make anyone uncomfortable? Just bow at them <laughs> aggressively, and and, th- and, and this no guy one Homer, knows what to do. He gets like uncomfortable in any social situation. So someone's bowing at him in his own house. He's like having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> he's freaking out. Harry sells Homer some polish. Basically, he buys some to get rid of this salesman. Yep. Yep. Clever ter- strategy. Mm-hmm. But then things get weird. Mm. This is from the book. Quote: Harry had this man where he wanted him. He began to practice a variety of laughs, all of them theatrical, like a musician tuning up before a concert. 
He finally found the right one and let himself go. It was a victim's laugh. Please stop, Homer said. (laughs) So he's just maniacally laughing at him. But Harry couldn't stop. He was really sick. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Twist. Harry starts rushing through all these pantomime clowning moves like he can't stop like a machine until he basically collapses. So he's just going, oh, hey, oh, 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 hey, oh, and then he falls half dead on the ground. That is clown that can't stop laughing. Oh, another reference. Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. That's intentional. Um, that is like everything that's been in the book so far is like really grounded and like really easy to imagine. If I was reading this book and got to that passage, my brain would just like have a meltdown. Basically, <laughs> that's real psycho hours. That I is- was absolutely <laughs> loving that bit when he when he was just like a door to door salesman who's also using his clowning stuff. I was loving. That. <laughs> I couldn't. I, it was my favorite bit of the whole thing, to be honest. All downhill from here, guys. Well, well, that's a, such a that's a big high, though. It's a big high. That's yeah, a yeah, big yeah. high. It does just pure joy. Yeah. aggressively bowing. I'm still loving that. So he's collapsed. Harry's daughter, Faye, the one that everyone loves, mm-hmm. she's been waiting in the car this whole time. <laughs> she comes in to see what the hell's happened to her dad. He hasn't come out for a while. This is when Homer too falls in love with her. So he was just looking behind the bushes. For no reason before? No, no, no. Oh, no this, oh, this is, is, this is the flashback. Yeah, right, right, flashback. Yeah, flashback. so it's non-linear, this, okay. this part. He fought it at first when he f- first saw this young girl, just like he fought the temptation of the lady in the hotel. Yep. But he sees like emotion like that. He just tries to switch. He, he panics. Yeah. Tries to switch it off. <laughs> he can't, but this time he can't. He gives into temptation. And that's why Todd saw him drop off wine and flowers to Faye. Mm-hmm. He really didn't learn the right lesson when he was running away from that first woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely he, no. It's like, oh, whenever I feel uncomfortable, just go for it more. It's yeah. like, no, no, that's not yeah, what yeah. you should be learning there. <laughs> and then eventually Harry gets home, he's mm-hmm. sick on the couch, and that's why our main guy Todd is coming around to look after him also All comes hanging together. out with yeah. the girl. And Todd and Homer aren't the only men who lust after this 17-year-old. Mm. Where's Abe? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Earl, who's mm. a cowboy whose accent Todd mocks. Uh-huh. He's from uh, Arizona And uh, Earl doesn't get it But uh, Todd says his accent back to him To make fun of him And he does not get it <laughs> He's like, yeah, well I come from everyone speaks like this So it's normal There's also Earl's Mexican friend Miguel ah. That Faye enjoys flirting with So these are two more potential yeah. love he interests He doesn't do his accent as well <laughs> <laughs> It starts getting racist <laughs> Well Faye invites Todd Our main guy To come out and hang with her and Earl at a campsite in the hills. Which is a bit weird, because yeah. this is her on-again, off-again boyfriend. Yes. She's bringing along another man. Yeah, right, we've been the, He's like, oh, man, can't wait. I'm going to go meet Faye. It's going to be hot and heavy. Who would invite me to the woods otherwise? And then you get there, and she's brought her boyfriend. Well, the night goes to hell when Earl clubs Miguel on the head for dancing for t- uh, flirtatiously with Faye. So, so, Earl, so Miguel is his friend from Mexico. Yeah. Miguel starts dancing with Faye, who Earl sees as his girlfriend, and then they've all had a lot to drink, and Earl he clubs, clubs him. Miguel over the head. Did you say what he uses, or just say a club? Just a club. Because hmm. hmm. he came packing. Yeah, packing a club. Hmm. Everyone freaks out at this point. Faye Fair runs enough. into the yeah, woods. I mean, that's not, yeah. She runs into the woods. Not and a clever tactic to run into the woods, though. 
Todd runs after this is her. This before movies and things. Yeah. Bef- <laughs> they don't know what's going on. <laughs> before woods were deemed scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the time when they were just <laughs> full of joy and happiness. Well, she runs into the woods and Todd runs after her. Yep. And uh, as he's running, he fantasizes about catching up to her and pulling her to the ground. That's... Which is... Mm. Basically, it's a rape fantasy is what yep. he has at, at this point. Thankfully, he doesn't catch her and Faye drives away. This is... Uh, yeah, this is going to be one of those books where I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Every character in this sucks. Except probably Faye, but then also maybe she'll do something where I'm like, that sucks too. Yeah. Hollywood, it's full of scumbags. I get it now. Yeah, I get yeah, the yeah. message. He gets it. He, he gets it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to be honest, it is a, it's a tough passage. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't get better from here. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, right. I'm strapping right, myself in. We're going to have to work to get these riffs in on this material, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it's going to be a lot harder right, from here on out. It's just top heavy. This just back off the episode is just the plot. Just, we're just, just like, oh, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, dear. It's, it's reaction Oof. gifts only from here. Yeah. We all disagree with <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, Dave, that's no good. That's no good. <laughs> well, uh, Faye's ha- uh, father, Harry, hmm. our clowning hero, probably the only one in the book that I do like. Oh, no. He dies. Fuck. Sorry. Harry. That's okay. And to, to pay for his last bow. He bowed. He, he, bowed. he was out. Yeah. He clowned himself to death, which is <laughs> something that I respect. <laughs> I thought yeah. about that. Yeah. That's true. how I imagine Tom Walker to go out. Clowning himself until to death. He just can't stop. <laughs> Put me down. <laughs> uh, to pay for the funeral, this is also tragic. Uh, ta- uh, Faye turns to sex work to raise uh, the money. Yeah. yeah. Todd. Mm. The neighbor gets drunk and confronts her at the funeral and tells her that this kind of work will result in her catching a disease. Mm. So she gives that up and she moves in with Homer Simpson Oof. as a business arrangement. Uh-huh. Todd mm-hmm. is still not happy with that. He's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, Homer Simpson is like a, like a 40-year-old guy. She's 17, but it is uh, a business arrangement there in, in her eyes or their eyes. Homer, what business? When you say business, what do you mean? Well, Homer pays for her clothes and lifestyle, does all the chores, buys her meals, and Faye really takes advantage of the man and easily convinces him to let her friends Earl and Miguel move into the garage. <laughs> so business arrangement in the way, like, I guess it is like her still doing sex work, but without the sex. Well, doing I, sex no, work? I don't think because Homer is such an awkward guy, he's in love with this girl, and but he's too awkward to act yeah. on that sort of thing. So there is no sex going on between them. So no, not, but that is a business arrangement. Well, no, because I think it's a business in the sense of like, she, that is kind of like, she knows that sex is totally off the cards, but she's kind of being like, oh, you should pay, pretty much like paying for dates, except yeah. consistently. Yeah, he's like basically like a 1930s sort of sugar daddy type yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. Sort of type thing. Sugar George, you Wendy. have a face like you're just really trying hard to figure the, do the mental gymnastics here. Well, I mean, it's starting to sound like we're going to have to feel a bit bad for Homer now. No, we're not. Well, Faye's increasingly mean to Homer throughout the final chapters I've got here. Okay. I do. So I did final chapters? Are we like... Is this like getting towards the end? Well, I'd say we're probably about two thirds through. Jeez. Okay, well, this is flying. We're going to spend a lot of time describing Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... Our main man, Todd, is upset by the violent feelings that uh, Faye seems to have inspired him. in him. You, yeah, good. Gotta uh, love that. Blaming it on them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he avoids her for a few weeks. Yeah, probably maybe avoid everyone for a few weeks and maybe go to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go yourself. Get yeah. To, get <laughs> yeah, just... Then the cops are like, wait here. 17, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's these cops again of the time I'm making a comment on. Joel's face now is shocked at me. For referencing the era. I do not approve of it at all. And I want to be on the record. 
for saying that. Great, I'm glad that's on the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. so, so instead, Todd focuses on his masterpiece, The Burning of Los Angeles. Tries to lose himself in art. Yep. Now, most of the story is a bit of a cockfight for Faye. Mm-hmm. And then there is also a literal cockfight in Homer's garage. That rules. Miguel. Yeah, well, uh, Miguel and Earl have organised a cockfight. Todd is invited along and all our players are there. There's Todd, Faye, Honest Abe, Homer Simpson, Earl and Miguel. I Just quickly on cockfights. They're bad, obviously, like animal cruelty. But like out of every animal that you're going to get to fight, like a cockfight seems very uninteresting, even if you're into animal fights, I guess. You reckon? Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all cocky. They're all like... Birds. They yeah. birds. They fight each I guess each maybe other. they like fight they without really any... You don't need to like provoke them, I guess. I don't know. That's to me, it just seems like a weird thing. Like you're just like, oh, I'm just hurting these animals for no real reason. Oh, for, for, oh they're fighting each other, right? The cocks are fighting each other and they just... Yeah, and they fight each other to the death, which yeah, yeah. is like... And the pa- this passage I found very difficult to read because they, he goes into intricate detail yeah. about a brutal fight between two birds. Uh, one of them ends up killing the other one and uh, it's really nasty stuff. Yeah. And this is just in the garage. And they're all watching... <laughs> Things up. have escalated for old Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of going, what's going on? Uh, I came are you here sure to- he's not being like, dough? <laughs> yeah this isn't working out how I how I intended uh, all of the men who have been drinking heavily go into the living room with Faye sitting there wearing silk pajamas with oh. most most of the buttons undone dear okay one of the I'm many- gonna call it there guys <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for coming on George that's alright no. No, maybe this could go well I'll go, I'll, 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 let's see uh, one of the men whistles at her. They stare at her as she speaks, but not listening to what she's actually saying. It's all very gross. Mm. Very, very gross. Todd leaves, not loving the situation, and Homer follows him outside. But Todd no longer feels sorry for Homer and just finds him frustrating and yells at him when he tries to open up about his feelings for Faye. Yeah. He's just like, shut shut up. It's yeah. just like, read the room, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just too dumb, and you just get angry at him eventually. And then uh, Homer gets very upset at this and locks himself in his room. Todd tries to Todd tries to talk him out out of it, but he just won't let him in. Yeah. Meanwhile, okay. Honest Abe and Earl get into a fist fight because Abe wants to dance with Faye. Earl slams Abe, who remember has dwarfism, into a wall, and Abe gets knocked out. So he basically nearly kills the man. Yeah. Earl's not looking great in this. I got to be honest. He's not coming across. He's clubbed well. a guy. He's KO'd a guy using yeah. a wall. Yeah. Just this. Jealous boyfriend type, Look, right? Yeah. Let me go on record. Douchebag. Earl sounds like a piece of shit. Yeah. I'll say it. We're going to call him Shitty Earl? Yeah, I'm going to call yeah. him Shitty Earl. I'll take Shitty Earl, yeah. Shitty yeah. Earl and Honest Abe. I know who I'm backing. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, not, not backing. in a fight. Yeah, not, not absolutely. In a fight, but morally. Because he just knocked yeah. Well, even then, mm, I don't know. Oh, wait, Honest Abe's done nothing wrong, really, has he? <laughs> no, he, he's just like, kind of just like a bookie. Yeah. Grey area. Yeah. Claude. Uh, Claude is that character What have you got against bookies? I've just seen like uncut gems and You know Gambling Like bookies are usually There's issues You're just destroying a whole industry there Yeah I am (laughs) They can be unscrupulous Yes In a stereotypical Yes World view But I guess his name is Honest Abe So he's probably great He's the one good one He's (laughs) Sorry this is just sounding like Broad broad brushes here from old (laughs) Bertie Joel Dusha Who next? Money lenders <laughs> so Abe is rescued. Uh, he's like, he comes back to him and he's like, "Let's go to a brothel." And they're like, "You've had enough." So they leave him. They leave <laughs> <Wait>. still. <laughs> he got knocked out in a fight. Comes to and he's like, "We should go to a brothel." Yeah, and yeah. they go, "No, we're going home." So they leave him in his car to sleep mm. it off. Yeah. 
Okay. Not a great place to leave someone to sleep it off, especially when you know that they want to go to a brothel and you've just given them the tools to get there. Um, but hey, maybe this will turn out okay. Maybe it's one of those things where you're like, ah, it's not my problem now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Todd left and thought that was the end of the night. But when he visits Homer the next day, he finds out what happened in the early hours of the morning after he left. Homer and Earl had discovered Miguel, Earl's friend, in bed with Faye, which led Earl and Miguel into having a big fist fight. Mm-hmm. So now Earl has bashed multiple characters <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Miguel yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot it was Miguel oh, twice. Yeah, yeah. I hope Miguel has like the stereotypical cartoon bump on his head from when he got yeah. hit with a club. <laughs> Homer so. ran away and hid in his room and <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> Classic Homer. <laughs> Maybe he is Homer Simpson. <laughs> but when he woke up, everyone was gone. House is empty. He tells Todd he's going back to Iowa. Later on, Todd finds Homer lying on the couch in the fetal position. He decides to go and get dinner and plans to check in on Homer afterwards. Yeah. So we'll see how he's doing in a couple of hours. He goes off orders a steak, and realises his fantasies about Faye are growing even darker. Oh, no. He mm. tries to wave away the feeling, but, quote, he says, if only, or the narrator says, if only he had the courage to wait for her some night and hit her with a bottle and then rape her. Jesus so Christ. it's getting <laughs> really dark. Yeah, that's not even like, it's not even like a, like with the forest thing before, I figured that it was written like, in like, kind of like, that kind of fucked... Tonally thing while it's going and stuff like oh, that. Oh no, just from like the way that it would have been written, it, like less Absolutely, like yeah. So it, it does say overheard. like yeah. you yeah. like you read it and it says what I read it before. He wants to catch up with her and he fantasizes about bringing her to the ground. Yeah, you're like oh, like she'd be like hell yeah, you're my hero for catching up to me. But no, it's like literally the word rape, rape appears. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. I was like whoa, that is this really book awful. is Aggressive. heavy and awful. Yeah, the, the waiter comes over and then interrupts this thought. Yeah, and then he goes ah. Oh, I can't go back to my fantasy now. Real weird stuff. <laughs> Todd's a dirtbag. I'll say it. Yeah, no, I think, I think I, I'll back you on that one. Yeah, Todd is doing. You know who isn't a dirtbag though? I'm actually impressed. I was worried at the start of this book. Homer Simpson. Nathaniel West. He's actually taking a good angle on this, really. <laughs> right? You know, because you couldn't. You know, these old books are being problematic in yeah. a lot of ways. It sounds mm. like he's actually being suitably judgmental well, about again, all the characters. Brave, considering that I reckon there's probably a chapter left in the book at this point. <laughs> we are on to the final chapter. <laughs> oh, yes, wow. Okay. Well, I'm, hold- I'm sticking to it. Nathaniel <laughs> <laughs> West is the hero. All right. Man, I'm really good at this book stuff. Mm. Well, Todd leaves the restaurant and realizes it's only 6.15, and he decides to go to stay out a little longer before checking in on home where we left. Yep. He notices that a large crowd of thousands has gathered for a film premiere at Khan's Persian Palace Theatre. Mm-hmm. Todd travels through the crowd and gets his hat knocked off, but eventually makes it through. He, the worst thing that's happened to Todd in this book. Yeah, he's like, yeah. oh man, they knocked my hat off. <laughs> he watches the crowd and observes the people as they become part of the crowd. And this is probably my favourite uh, passage of the book. It's quite a long one, but I'll read it to you. This is him observing these people, mm-hmm. judging them. And again, Nathaniel West. Oh, no. Here we go. No, no, honestly, it's, it's an obs- observation, not painting them in a good light. He says... <laughs> All their lives they had slaved at some kind of dull, heavy labour behind desks and counters, in the fields and at tedious machines of all sorts, saving their pennies and dreaming of the leisure that would be theirs when they had enough. Finally, that day came. They could draw a weekly income of 10 or $15. Where else would they go but California, the land of sunshine and oranges? Once there, they discovered that sunshine isn't enough. Their boredom becomes more and more terrible. They realise that they've been tricked and burned with resentment. 
Every day of their lives, they read the newspapers and went to the movies. Both fed them on lynchings, murder, sex crimes, explosions, wrecks, love nests, fires, miracles, revolutions, wars. Their daily diet made sophisticates of them. The sun is a joke. Oranges can't titillate their jaded palates. Nothing can ever be violent enough to make taut their slack minds and bodies. They've been cheated and betrayed. They have slaved and saved for nothing. End quote. That's big. That is just... There you go. He really wasn't a fan of Hollywood. I no, that's not no. the book he wanted to read. <laughs> like, this is what I'm coming here for. Yeah. <laughs> See the movies. Okay, that's... I think that Nathaniel West comes out of that. Yeah, still, you know. yeah it's a real uh, Tyler Denton Fight Club sort of monologue. Yeah. You're like, hey, idiot, that's that's you. That it, You fit into that, you idiot, Todd. You goddamn fucking you know, idiot. Todd yeah. is really judging these people, but... Yeah, he should be maybe judging inward. Well, after 10 minutes, mm. the group has gotten so large, he worries that they'll trap him in. Good. the crowd just keeps getting bigger and bigger. He thinks of Homer and what he'll do if he can't wake him up. When at that moment, he sees Homer's head bobbing in the crowd. So there he is. Definitely picturing Homer Simpson's yeah, bobbing me too. When you say I that, so that's, not there's to. no way not to. Homer has two suitcases with him, and when Todd approaches him, he says he's heading back to Iowa. Homer shouts, thief, thief, when Trod, uh, Todd tries to carry his suitcases for him. Homer sits on a bench near the crowd, and a local boy named Adore starts to tease him from a tree. When Homer fails to respond, the kid throws a rock at Homer that hits him in the head. Homer snaps and runs after the boy. He knocks him down and starts stomping on him. Todd tries to pull Homer away, but he can't. The crowd, watching on, descend on Todd and Homer and consume them, and it turns into a violent mob. It's absolute chaos, and they're not the only ones being attacked. Todd rescues a girl from being groped from a man by a man in the crowd. It's all kicking off. Todd gets pushed into a chain fence, which he holds onto for dear life, as a lady tries to drag him back into the violence. <laughs> to distract himself... Like a from horror the, movie. It is. Yeah. To distract himself from the terror of the moment, he thinks about his painting, The Burning of Los Angeles. I would also just like to point out that I get the title now. I would say that this would be the titular Day of the Locusts. You're speaking a bit early. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just a angry crowd, a mob. I guess there's an ocean. I don't know. Day of Locusts. I guess they're all locusts. Actually, that's really insulting to the people, isn't it? Yes. Just the locusts, yeah. So he's thinking about... Thinking about his painting, uh, this is a quote from the book. After his quarrel with Faye, he had worked on it continually to escape tormenting himself. And the way to it in his mind almost became automatic. So he's, it's just like his go-to thing when he's not feeling yeah. great. He imagines the painting and in it now are Faye, Harry, Homer and himself. So it's become quite autobiographical. He comes back to reality and finds a policeman shouting in his ear. The officer hauled him over the fence. He looked to see... Lots of dishevelled people in an ambulance. There's absolute chaos yep. in LA. Mm. Todd refused. And that medi- was the last time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Todd refused medical care, but was offered to lift home by the police. And this is the final passage of the book. Oh. He was carried through the exit to the back street and lifted into a police car. The siren began to scream, and at first he thought he was making the noise himself. He felt his lips with his hands; they were clamped tight. He knew then that it was the siren. For some reason, this made him laugh, and he began to imitate the siren as loud as he could. End of the book. So he became Harry. <laughs> I think by that. The end? Like it's like, has he lost it? Yeah. Has he completely lost it, or I guess is he... he's become one of the people that? Well, I mean, obviously, at that, that's not a surprise by the end of the book. But yeah. Hmm. But he wasn't actually okay. Look, if we're gonna go book analysis, 
right? Mm. You were saying that he was different to the crowd because he's not he's there to do his art and stuff. So you could argue that he's actually not doing the whole fifteen dollars chasing sunshine sort of thing. Cause he's no, because he got offered a job based on his talent, and then it was a dead end kind of thing. Yeah, but then he was okay. But then he was trying to get it out of that. And yeah, but he was like, more. but the art he wasn't actually doing. He was just thinking about the art, right? He wasn't actually creating anything. He was creating the art. He was painting, wasn't he? Was, yeah, he, he was doing it bit by bit. But most of it was he was imagining how good yeah. it was going to be. Yeah. So he like these people, he had a dream. Got to love imagining how yeah. good. Some, oh yeah. my god! You know, time I've spent. Yeah, every just time celebrating the thing that I was going to do. <laughs> this every week, I'm like, wow. The next episode of Plumbing the Death Star, it's just going to be so good. It's it's going to be a winner. It's just going to be, I can't wait to get in there and record. Just knock it out of the park. Yeah. So, and then you so just I spend most of my time yeah. just thinking about how good future podcasts that I'm in are going to be. Ah, yeah, because forget the old ones. <laughs> I'm with you. Trash. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this one's going to be the one. <laughs> what are we going to do with all the attention? The oh. imitating the sirens <laughs> ending. That's sick. I like that. I want to read this book really badly now. Although it sounds cool, yeah, some of it is obviously very unpleasant to read. But yeah, uh, so I wanted to ask: Did you guys did you like the sound of it? Obviously, you did. Yeah. How long is the book? Only about a hundred and eighty pages. Yeah, or something. that's super short. Absolutely, yeah. it's almost a novella. Yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very doable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it sounds. What happened to everyone? <laughs> What happened to fake? Well, we don't know. It's sort of all... Modernist. It's sounding more modernist. <laughs> I need to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like a snapshot. Like, we don't know. Yeah. What yeah. happened to Harry? What happened to anyone? It's in the not, book? Their f- not their story, George. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. I kind of want to know, but... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just looked at me, nodded. Yeah. In agreement. Mm. No, this one, but would you say that it's... It's Todd's story. Todd's story. But yeah. then we also don't know what happened to Todd. Oh, well, you went to jail. Well, that, no, I mean, it's, it's fine. A slice it's of life of slice of life of uh, Todd. So, what is it trying to say? Uh, I reckon Hollywood may, in fact, be fucked. You reckon? Yeah, that's the vibe know. I'm getting. I don't know. You reckon it says you reckon it's specifically anti Hollywood or it's anti consumerist lifestyle chasing a fake dream and then dulling yourself with movies and things well, like that. Well, he's good friends with F. Scott Fitzgerald, who discovered the American dream was dying or dead. Pretty similar thing. Yeah, well, these people came to California to die. Yeah. yeah. And who are those people? These these people who go to California to die. Did you ever go into that? Well, there's people that had, uh, you know, s- saved up enough to move there and had no live this sun- sunshine lifestyle and they okay. just never achieved what they actually thought that this they This hollow, might. empty, like, just, yeah. just for the moment. That's, that's sounding yeah. very... And that is pretty, you know, that is pretty Hollywood. You know, yeah, for yeah, every yeah. actor that makes it, there's, what, 10,000 that die. Yeah. Like, yeah, but those ones are trying. They're not going there to die. They're trying to make it as something. Well, like, You're talking have you about, seen like, the movie Leaving Las Vegas? The Nick... Nick Cage movie? No. Yeah, it's the one he won the Oscar for. Uh, it's Yeah, his character is an alcoholic who moves... Well, in that it's Las Vegas, but he goes to Las Vegas literally to die because he's like, my life is kind of worthless. I'm just going to Vegas, try and live the best life I can for a very short period of time. Just party hard. It's better then. to burn out than to fade away, I guess, as yeah. Neil Young would <laughs> s- has said. <laughs> has he? Yeah. A <laughs> couple of times. I think that's in the Bible as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Moses <laughs> After on that day eight With the fireballs yeah. <laughs> Better to burn out baby <laughs> But you, I mean Because you say that they, they, they go there to die But I don't know If in their minds They're going there to die I think they're going there To chase that dream yeah, And then I, after a while They realise Hang on This isn't what I thought It was going to be yeah, And that's okay. when they switch From being Happy-go-lucky people Chasing a dream To these people That walk around Angry at the world Yeah so And I, then that's why He's like You've but you've come here to die. That's all you're going to do now. Yeah, I saw it as like Todd mocking them rather yeah. than them actually being like, here to die, baby. Yeah, if I have to yeah. die somewhere, I might as well be here. Sign me up. La la land. Okay. So, that was, yeah. So, really, very judgmental. 
Oh, absolutely. And then also, I liked how at the it starts with him talking about this, or the narrator telling us about this painting, the burning of Los Angeles, and then the 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 book ends with like chaos in L.A. Yeah, mm. like they the people are tearing each other apart. It basically is the burning of Los Angeles. Yeah. That's that's nice. That's good. Yeah, it's um. Well, but yeah, he just becomes the person that he despises, or finds out that he's there for exactly the same reason. Yeah. Depressing. Yeah, just the decadence of it, I guess. Everyone, but everyone chasing this Faye character being the wrong thing to go for because it's the fake, shallow, not real thing. I guess. I don't know. The book. I'm using thing as a change for words. <laughs> well, Faye. From what you've said, it sounds like that Faye um, is not a good person in herself, and is of like manipulating everyone around her, and seems to be openly about it. Obviously, Todd's rape fantasies are more fucked than using people, but mm-hmm. it's still like a situation where it seems like that she's also just manipulating away. And the fact that you find out that her one line in the movie is very poorly delivered, but everyone loves her. Seems like manipulation had happened prior to the book starting. Mm. Faye sucks as well. I don't want the horrible things that happened to her to happen to her. Although she kind of ends relatively unscathed considering like what the book kind of threatens totally totally unscathed no yeah i mean she gets to her get, dad dies she gets earl to bash everyone <laughs> yeah she just loves it. a thug i reckon honest abe comes out of this the best easily he's a full lad well, he he's just disappears getting, though doesn't he he's getting plastered gets in a po- bit of a punch-up wants to go let's <laughs> go pay some money for some sex i mean he's just having a good night out he sounds like every single bookie in every single fictional <laughs> piece of literature I don't know what you got against bookies, man. <laughs> Here for a good time, not a long time. Honest yeah. Abe. I like Honest Abe. So I always get the the guests to score it out of five, as you've heard it here. Mm. This do sounds like you're into it. Yeah, this I don't is, want to put that in your mouth. This what, is coming at like a strong four for me, I reckon. A strong four from Joel Dusha. Fantastic. This is you? like right up my alley. George, what do you think? I will go with a three... Point five, three point five, you can do that. maybe. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with that. Three point five. I just like, uh, you know, it sounds alright, but it sounds like you know, it's probably a few books kind of in that realm, sort of. Great Gatsby. You love showing off. You've, you've got two books, and you really <laughs> get all the mileage out of them you can. It's impressive, if anything. <laughs> well, just finally, so you've given it a score out of five, Dusha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. three and a half. I must say, this, this is the lowest score I've ever given a book on this show. Whoa! I'm going to give it a three out of five. <laughs> okay. The lowest score. You've been score. really glowing with your scores still now. I mean, most of the stuff are classic for a reason. Yeah. But in this one, I must say, I hated every character. Yes. Uh, I felt there was too much description um, in there. It's a short book that there are literally three pages describing every detail in Homer yeah. Simpson's mm-hmm. house, which I think is like there for for a reason. It's to talk about how everything is intricate in his house, and then he just sits there and does nothing with it. Yeah, but it, mm. still, I found it tedious. Yeah, do you like Lord of the Rings? What's a description in yeah, that? Yeah, I'm not a fan uh, of uh, me too neither. Much, too much it's description. brilliant. Don't you give me a start on the brilliance of Lord of the Rings? Although I do like the Silmarillion more, which is less descriptive because mm. it's. About 4,000 years in a book, nowhere near the same size as Lord yeah. of the Rings. So it has to be gloss over a few things. <laughs> Very fast. Yeah, it glosses over like crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're just like, rather than being like, this this one tree in a forest that's like 10,000 years old and is visited constantly by the hobbits of the Shire, blah, 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 blah. They sing songs to the tree or whatever. The Cimmerillion's just like, there was trees. 
Oh, no, there's still a tree. <laughs> Lorien and uh, oh, T- Tamari or whatever it is and the spider that comes and poisons it. Look, I can go and t- I can talk about Silmarillion all I day. I regret bringing it up. <laughs> it's, uh, but I'm glad you brought it up because uh, I do want to talk about it some more. Melkor. <laughs> the dunch- I, mean, I'll go and I-, I do love Silmarillion a lot. Well, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, gentlemen. Dusha, we can hear you. On uh, multiple podcasts, yeah, heaps. Uh, so the three ones, the three big ones, I guess I'm on. Uh, Plumbing the Death Star, which is a comedy pop culture podcast uh, where we just ask like a dumb question about like a movie, TV show, or whatever, a universe basically, and try and come to a conclusion. It's uh, we've been going for a while, so most episodes now are pretty chaotic. <laughs> I have a video game podcast, a review podcast called Thumb Cramps, and also an AFL podcast called How Good's Footy. Nice. Nice. Do you have any uh, tips on how to avoid thumb cramps? Because I'm not a gamer, but I recently, uh, when we went into lockdown, bought a uh, a switch. Yeah. A switch light. Yeah. Which is the portable one. Yeah. Um, I, and basically, all I play on there is Mario Kart. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. If you want to accelerate, yeah. you just got to hold down that button the whole time. My finger goes goes numb after about two races. <laughs> how pe- so I'm not a hardcore gamer, but how do people play for? Eight hours at a time. Yeah, Mario Kart's a tough one. I don't know many people that play that for eight hours straight. Okay, fair um, enough. I would say probably like find out how hard you have to push the accelerator and just settle on that. Don't just be like jamming it in the whole time. But also, look, like a guitar, maybe you'll just develop like calluses on your thumb. Yeah, I'll have a you'll huge. be a game. <laughs> I love how literally he's taking the names. Like, oh, let me let me ask you about hot thumb cramps. Actually, yeah. I've got an issue with that. <laughs> what ointments are available? <laughs> Uh, well, also, I feel unsatisfied with that answer. But eat so maybe much. more bananas, potassium. Okay, mm. yeah. that, now we're go. talking. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He's well, had fan- this question before. <laughs> <laughs> I will link, of course, to the Sans Fans Radio website where you can find links to all those shows and also the links to Bookish, George. Yes. Well, I mean, it's like we said, uh, different guests on every week. It's really interesting because you get to um, hear a little sum. The book's really not the main focus. We talk about it a bit, but really it's always about the person and what they took away from it. So I'm keen to actually get someone on who's actually already done one of the other books that have been on just because it's really fun just trying to unpack that from that point of view. So really it's about like, looking at a story and like what it means to people and how that can be different for every person, how it can reflect stuff in their life. So it's a lot of fun and uh, you're going to be on it this week. So if you want to come and check that out to start off, that'd be. That's right. We're going to be talking of Mice and Man as we talked about earlier. So uh, check that out. Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. No problem. Appreciate Thank you, you, Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate you being here. And uh, as we always say here at Book Cheat, books forever. Goodbye. <laughs> Were we meant to join in on that? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, where were you guys? Where were you? <laughs> hey, book cheaters. Dave the Book Truck dropping in at the end of the episode to thank you, f- first and foremost, for downloading the show in the first place. It means the world to me. No, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And a big thank you, of course, to Dusha and George for joining me on this episode. Right after we recorded it, I went on uh, George's podcast, Bookish, which is out now, and there's a link in the description of this episode where we talked about Of Mice and Men, but also he tried to break me down psychologically in other ways. And when I say break me down, I mean uh, break down, not destroy me. But yeah, Do you know what I mean? Try and relate it back to uh, Of Mice and Men and a few other things. So uh, check that out. Now, one other thing I like to do at the end of the episodes is to uh, thank a few people that make this show possible. Of course, the guests, the listeners, and uh, very importantly, people that support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash pod because this is a spin-off of uh, my other show, Do Go On, where we talk about a historical subject. 
do that with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. And because people really got behind that podcast, we've been able to uh, start a few spin-offs. And now we've started putting out bonus episodes that people can uh, listen to if they support the show on Patreon. You can get into the Facebook group where we talk about the show uh, with other like-minded people, but also all sorts of other stuff. Lovely place. Lovely part of the internet. And also you can get a shout out from me for supporting the show. Now people are usually write in and tell me their favorite book, which I will uh, read out and we'll see how we go with pronunciations this week. So yeah, if you want to get involved, it's patreon.com slash do go on pod. That's what these people have done. And first of all, this week, I would like to thank Andriana Genualdi. It was written in saying, uh, my favorite book is called Beauty, a retelling of the story of Beauty and the Beast by Robin McKinley. It was so magical to read as a child. I was a huge reader growing up, and I kind of fell out of that when I went to college, but since listening to Book Cheat, I've begun reading more again. Fantastic! I talked about that with uh, George on the other podcast, Bookish. The reason I started this is because it would make me read more. And uh, to hear that's making other people read more, that is uh, really lovely. Andriana, who goes on to say, I'm currently listening to a non-fiction book about China and reading a fiction book about some thieves in a magical land. P.S. She's written, You should read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams on the show. Few people have been suggesting that lately. You know what? I might just do that, but no promises. So thanks, Andriana, for supporting the show. I would also like to thank uh, Kalina now. Now, the way people have written in to tell me their favourite books is they also wrote down their favourite primate because Matt's spin-off show was uh, Primates, which he's just gone on hiatus after 100 episodes. But love that show. A lot of fun. Many different guests on there and uh, they talk about a different primate in popular culture every week. And Matt's way of thanking people was to get them to write in their favourite primate. So you would do it at the same time. You'd write in your favourite primate and then your favourite book. Usually I cut out the primate because it doesn't make sense here, but I've kept this one in from Kalina because it made me laugh. Kalina's written, My favourite primate is that one specific monkey I saw wank into its own hand, eat its own jizz, then immediately try and fight the nearest male at the Nagano Hot Springs in Japan. Nature is wild. (laughs) Am I getting laughter from the hallway about that one? (laughs) My girlfriend's... I'm obviously talking a lot louder than I expected, and uh, she's a fan of that monkey. <laughs> so good on you, Kalina. Thank you so much. Our favorite book from you is, I would also have to say, Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wayne, or Wine, is one of my favorite books. Hard to choose one. Yeah, I get that. Because not only is it about woman, uh, women kicking ass, flying planes in World War II, something I'm usually not remotely interested in, but it was so well written in this book, it took me by surprise and I got hooked. But I became so attached to the story and the characters that I ugly cried an hour when I finished the audiobook because I didn't want it to end. And it was also really bloody sad. Wow. Kalina, that paragraph started with monkey jizz and it ended with an hour of crying. (laughs) That's good writing. Uh, Thanks so much for letting me know. Uh, Daniel Ryan, thank you so much, has written in Dave. I love book cheats. Daniel, thank you so much. It means the world to me. Uh, I would say my favorite book, Dan says, aside from religious scriptures, because I'm Mormon, is The Da Vinci Code. Well, a few more religious references in there as well, I suppose. Uh, back to what he said. As someone who is a sl- slow reader, I enjoy the super short chapters. You know what you'd like? You would like The Day of the Locust. Some of the chapters are only one page long. 
So if you're doing a chapter before bed every night, it's going to take you a while. But also, you feel like you've achieved a lot when you've only read a page and a half and you've a whole chapter down. Uh, Daniel Ryan continues, one of my favorite YouTubers just released a book called Bodega, which I hope becomes my favorite. It's a great word, Bodega. There you go. Hasn't said the YouTuber's name. I don't know who it is, but there you go. Maybe a few other people will. So thanks, Daniel Ryan. Uh, Melissa Pisaki. You've got a fantastic name. And you've written to say, Dave, you precious little goose. My favorite book is Endless Night by Agatha Christie because it is bonkers. Capital letters. Aggie was really a lot of ease here on, on one when she hopped behind the typewriter for Endless Night. Some good quote, quotables in there too. Love you guys. Thanks, Melissa. Love me some Aggie. But uh, Endless Night. There you go. Fantastic. That's a that's a good sell. I'd be interested to uh, to look into that. Now I've heard it's bonkers. So thanks, Melissa. Actually, you should write blurbs for the backs of, backs of books. <laughs> Just write the author was really on one when she hopped behind the typewriter for this one. Check it out. All right, thanks, Melissa. Uh, a couple more here. Erica Paradis. Erica, I've seen your name written down so many times, never said it out loud. I reckon. Didn't do a great job. But thank you so much for your ongoing support. Uh, Erica's written, My favourite book is Fried Green Tomatoes or Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flagg, which always brings me back to The Simpsons. Apu and Manjula. Favourite food, movie and film. Oh, sorry, book. <laughs> Fried Green Tomatoes. Great answer. Uh, Erica's written, uh, It's probably the only book I've ever read more than twice and it takes me away to another world I love to visit. I reckon that is a good sign. If you can read it more than twice... I reckon it's a keeper. Thanks, Erica. And uh, finally, from one David to another, this is David Brown. Good on you, DB. He's written in, uh, don't have a lot of time for reading nowadays, but Dave is inspiring me to make time. David, just make a podcast, mate. Honestly, it'll lock you in. Uh, written here, my, my favorite book as a kid was the BFG. There you go, Big Friendly Giant. Was a big fan of Roald Dahl's books. Wasn't aware of his views at the time. Uh, great episode of Do Go On, by the way. That's right. Uh, we did an episode on Roald Dahl. And uh, it wasn't that flattering because he had, well, some pretty effed up views, but um, wrote some good stuff nonetheless. Can you separate the author? That is an ongoing debate. I won't say here, but I do also enjoy the BFG. So thank you so much, David Brown, David, Erica, Melissa, Daniel, Kalina, Andriana. Thank you so much for all of your ongoing support and everyone that does that at patreon.com slash do go on pod. Honestly, it makes doing these multiple podcasts every week with uh, do go on and primates and Matt's other show. Listen now, they're about to kick off a new season where they're uh, talking about 80s rock albums. That's one that he does with his cousin, Sam. A lot of fun too. But uh, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much. You can get in contact anytime with me at at bookcheat pod on instagram facebook and twitter i've got an email bookcheatpod at gmail.com and uh, there's also a link in the description of this episode if you would like to suggest a book that i cover and uh when i do it i will inevitably thank you for doing so and i thank you in advance for clicking that link always great to uh read why i should do a book but that is the end of the episode thank you so much for joining me and until next week i'll say thank you and, of course, a book's forever! Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
I mean, if you want, it's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.